Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode two of Gamesphere. It's an absolute pleasure to join you folks tonight. As the chip tune theme fades away, you are greeted by the dulcet tones of yours truly, Chris Ware. I am the host of the show, and we have some delightful treats for you today. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a very early in the works free and open source mystery game that you, the folks at home, might be able to participate in. I'm also going to uh, talk a little bit about the Hitman 3 game that is due to release uh, early next year. They have released a new, or they have released a location, and uh, I've got some thoughts on that. In Foss Corner, we will be talking about a multiplayer game which, although may not be for everyone's taste, is an absolute delightful, beautiful, and charming turn-based strategy game. Uh, I will also be talking a little bit about, of course, Cyberpunk 2077 and whether or not we should perhaps temper our expectations a little bit towards it. I'm also going to be presenting you a rather charming little game on the Itch store. This is a racing game of sorts with a little bit of a twist, nice little indie number. Uh, and I'll be talking more about some multiplayer antics that I've been up to. So thank you very much for joining me and also thank you very much to everyone for your feedback. I'll be talking a little bit more about feedback. The feedback section of the show I think I should probably leave to the tail end because it often uh, I, I suspect will involve going over topics we've already discussed and you know just for the, the flow of the show as it were I thought uh, you know when necessary to come back to topics that I may not have covered sufficiently or may have missed something out or need some clarification on something from last week's episode I will put that at the uh, end of the show uh, but I did get a fair bit of, um, of of feedback, and I just want to say thank you to to everyone for it, and thank you to everyone for the well wishes on the show, on the new show, and um, it's uh, it's very kind of you. If you do wish to leave feedback, or if there is anything you would like to see me cover, uh, the best places to do so is to email it in. The email will be in the show notes, or to drop it off at the Destination Linux Network forums. Probably the game section makes the most sense, I suppose. Uh, and, and I'll put a link that to that, of course, down in the description down below. But it is actually just a really quite a nice place to um, to pick up on some uh, on, on some gaming news and all of that kind of stuff. So, And also, if you, if you have like a seed of something that you, you perhaps want to start a discussion about a particular topic, um, then, you know, drop a, you know, drop a, a, a something in the... Uh, in the forum there, perhaps a question or a link to something that has uh, piqued your interest, and uh, you know maybe maybe you'll you'll kickstart a discussion that will make it on the show, because that is what the very first item on today's docket is. So, uh, and this is going to come directly from the destination Linux forum. I was browsing there, and I just saw this. It was left as of, as of recording two days ago, but it'll probably be a little bit longer now uh, once it uh, hits the website. From a uh, from from a, a user by the name of Nice Micro. Um, so I'm just going to read out the post because they can uh, probably explain it uh, better than I can condense it at least. 
so anyway, they say, and of course I will link to this post down in the in the show notes as well, so that you can participate in the discussion, you can chime in, and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, in the spirit of what's been uh, in the spirit of the discourse uh, thus far, um, and I'm sure you will, you don't need saying, but let's all keep things positive and polite here, um, especially considering that I have had nothing but delightful um, feedback, and of course, uh, just as a side note. Uh, you know, not every opinion that I've expressed in in last week's episode was agreed upon. I I I said some things which I knew would perhaps not be met with universal agreement, and I'm not going to to do that because, um, as I have found out that the you know the folks who listen to this show are, uh, you know, intelligent and smart and and, and empathic enough to to know that we can actually have differing perspectives and to agree or disagree on things to varying degrees. And, and still have a constructive and thoughtful and entertaining discussion. Anyway, I'll cover more about that. But uh, but yeah, I, I do like genuinely appreciate that um, those of you who uh, who did leave feedback on things you agreed with, things you disagreed with, all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's meaningful to me just as a host uh, that you've you've all done so with, to my experience, no exception whatsoever. You've all done so in, a, in an incredibly. Uh, thoughtful and um and respectful manner and i i really appreciate it. it makes me feel really like warm inside to know that the people who i'm speaking with today are are good people you know good eggs you're good eggs a lot of anyway i'm waffling on what am i doing let's get down to business okay so this post by nice micro they go hello dln community i'm nice micro or micro for short a long time listener of the podcast i assume not this one but there we go. And my video responses questions have also appeared in the show twice. I have recently joined forces with many like-minded individuals to develop an open source social deduction game, which we named Open Suspect, based on the Open Sus meme. Now, I can't say I'm familiar with the meme, but this does sound a little bit. I'm looking at the photo that is attached to the um, post itself like it might possibly don't necessarily want to go there too too quickly the like the uh the open source answer to among us maybe yeah well you know that that may not necessarily be hugely accurate but i that's that's kind of the vibe that i'm i'm uh, i'm picking up here currently the game is in early development but we thought it would be fun to get some engagement with the community if you are interested in contributing to a game now, it's easier than ever. Download our official character design PDF file, print it out, pick up the colour pencils closest to you and start drawing. When finished, scan it in, scan it, post it to our subreddit r slash open suspect, or if you are well versed in the art of editing multi-layered SVG files, download this template and start clicking in your favourite SVG editor, something like in Inkscape, and post your design to us. If we like your design, we'll contact you about the details. So, it looks like, and of course, uh, the uh, there is a link to Reddit and all the other bits and pieces uh, in the works. But I must say, I really like the idea. Like, I like uh, Among Us, and Among Us, we did play Among Us in the most recent uh, Destination Linux uh, Game Fest. And actually, you know what? I was thinking about doing this uh, for a lot of the games that I talk about is that um, I'm going to put a link to the, uh, the the gameplay, the section of the gameplay when we played Among Us. So I'm going to do that for a lot of the games that I play as well. So if you want to see sort of more extended gameplay of something, 
uh, like a game that I talk about or a game that I play with people, um, and it is available on my channel where I keep such content. I, I'll, I'll link it through so that maybe just a you know like a ten minute talking segment might not necessarily be enough for it. So, um, so so I'll, I'll I'll do so there. But yeah, open suspect, um, and I'm looking at some of the character designs now, and they actually look pretty good. So now. I say that uh, about uh, Among Us, and this actually did come up in the forum uh, discussion. However, um, uh, Micro says that it's an open source social deduction game set in the 60s divided Cold War era Germany. It's developed with extensibility in mind. Aha. The rules are also not going to be a one-for-one -one copy of Among Us. We'll try to feature multiple styles of social deduction games in multiple maps. But no one can credibly deny the fact that without the success of Among Us, we wouldn't have started working on this project. Now, I must say, I am actually quite a fan of the social deduction genre. Not that there have been that many titles there. Uh, my personal favourite is the jankiest of janky games, Gary's mod, uh, particularly murder. Uh, I think there's like one, one called Trouble in Terrorist Town. Um, and they're like prop hunt game, you know, this prop hunt, which is, you know, f effectively hide and seek. And I think they do have an actual hide and seek game. Um, but yeah, Gary's mod, of course, is a sandbox where people can create their own games within it. Uh, and to me, that is uh, at the heart of the great social deduction game. But the thing is, of course, is that Gary's mod is kind of half open source or at least it encapsulates the spirits of open source without being open source itself it of course uses the source to engine and the source to assets but uh it just offers you up a sandbox and then people can throw whatever they like together i just built spaceships in it to be honest but a lot of people put together some really good games really 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 good games and of course of course one of the things that i'm most proud of creating on YouTube, and I don't know if this opinion is shared by others. Some people have said that they really like this. Some people have said they really don't. Is my Gary's Mod playlist that I've made with friends. I truly, truly, truly had so much fun making it and also going back and watching it and all, the, all those memories and stuff like that. Um, and partly it's because it is so grassroots. It comes from the community. It comes, it's made by the people who play it. That's what appeals to me about things like indie games and open source games and, you know, that kind of, you know, like to me, Gary's Mod is very much lightning in a bottle. They've taken a world-class engine and then put uh, the means. They've put like an open-source veneer on it in many ways. They've they've taken the me. They've given you the means to create your own games. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Of course, it would be nicer if it was open-source from top to bottom. But we do not live in a perfect world. So, I'll try. I I will try and link to that as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I like this. I want to see this go places. So if you have any thoughts, uh, I will of course link to that specific post in the, uh, destination uh, Linux network forums. Uh, they're good forums. They're good forums. I, I hang out there a fair bit. I, I chime in. So like I say, if you want to leave feedback for the show, discussions, games that you want me to cover, all that kind of stuff, email or the forums, are probably the best place to get it, uh, get me. Um, but of course, all of my social network, uh, social media stuff is on chrisware.uk. Of course, links in the show notes too. So, I think this is a good opportunity for our first ad read. Well, our first ad read of the show. 
which would probably make it, what, like the third ad read uh, in total. So that's, that's pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool. Okay, so all kinds of terrible things can happen when you don't take care of your digital security. And that, of course, includes your passwords. The password manager used and trusted by the Destination Linux network is Bitwarden. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all the things to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. To make things even better, Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and their code is audited. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. The $10 a year premium account gets you a one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, time-based one-time password authenticator storage and generation priority customer support. So from the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Gamesphere and for all around being a good egg to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much. Okay, so next up, we very much have one that I put on the docket for today's episode Hitman 3. Uh, will I be able to go a week without talking about my one of my favourite franchises in video games? Well, we'll find out next week, because it ain't this week, because Hitman 3 uh, have announced uh, Chongqing as a location in the newest game due to be released early next year. Uh, Hitman 3 will be released on the Epic Store and Stadia uh, if you are inclined to play it on PC. I believe there are some console releases too and I think it's going to be a year down the line before we will see Hitman 3 make it to Steam. So it's a timed exclusive on Epic which yeah, I'll admit I do not like but I will probably be picking it up on the old Google Stadia. Google Stadia seems to be running pretty well for me these days and uh yeah, and and and, it, and it, the Hitman games look uh, really quite beautiful on it. So, um, but yeah, they have released a, a trailer where they do show off their uh, Glacier engine, which does look uh, pretty fancy. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, you will of course be uh, enjoying the visual delights of uh, what IO Interactive have to offer regarding this. Uh, and there is some information, so I'll link to the, the video itself where they talk a little bit about, you know, putting the level together, together and some of the technology that they're using. Uh, this actually kind of has some cyberpunk vibes to it as well, you know, like the neon uh, urban environments uh, with, the, with that kind of gritty undertone, which is, you know, seen through and through the Hitman franchise. It's nice to have another nighttime mission. I do like how Hitman, Hitman does its nighttime missions. Um, I like how it does his daytime missions as well. I'm not going to lie. Um, they showcase they showcase the rain because it's you know it's rain. Now I'll admit, right? Rain is a bit of a a mixed blessing for those of us that stream because rain is terrible when it comes to video compression. It it makes live streams look pretty bad. It makes YouTube videos look pretty bad. But uh, and it'd be interesting to see how rain is handled on Google Stadia. Actually, come to think about it, because they do use video compression to get the video down from Google Stadia down to your computer, and rain can be difficult in that regard. However, 
yeah, it, I found it quite amusing that they're showcasing the rain by having it like drip down 47's bald head, which is, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, is all, is all well and good. Uh, you know, it's, uh, they, they sort of, um, was it the Nvidia hair, hair physics engine was, was the, the next great thing when it, when it came to the Witcher three, but now we're looking at bald head physics, uh, which I must admit is, uh, is quite amusing, but I got to admit this game does look good, doesn't it? That looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, glistening, shining, uh, it has the uh, undertones of the menace that is 47. And you know, I don't, I'm not entirely proud of this, but I, I think some of you may not be surprised I did pre-order. I don't like pre-ordering digital games. I think you're, you know, it, it, it by and large is enabling and encouraging a bad habit among publishers, but but I did. I did. They found my weakness. They found my weakness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, this looks really good. Uh, it does look, because this is the third in a what, what I believe is going to be a trilogy called The World of Assassination, and uh, you may look on Steam and you may see that the first two Hitman games in the trilogy are Hitman and Hitman 2, titles as such. In Stadia, the two games have been bundled into what's called World of Assassination, to which three, I think, is going to become an addition into that uh, trilogy trilogy franchise, um, which is kind of, does this make it part three of a much bigger game? I don't know. And in many ways, like, uh, there are some massive missions in Hitman 1 and 2 of the World of Assassination. I got to admit, I do kind of like what they do with the smaller missions as well. Um it's like, I like that they have some big missions where it gives people who, uh, you know, put together custom contracts, custom missions, uh, gives them a lot of space to work with, a lot of ideas to use. Um, but also fundamentally, I think that it is kind of fun when you've got like very small missions with a lot in them, very dense missions, similar to what you might see in like Hokkaido in Japan, where a player can know every corner of a mission, get given a custom contract and from that very moment be able to formulate plans and plots and strategies right in their head right from the get-go because that mission is is so accessible and easy to understand for for us so that's my thoughts on it uh i suspect if i'm completely honest i suspect i would like this i wouldn't have pre-ordered it if i didn't think i'd like this game but i do suspect it'll be in the similar stride as to the the two previous games in this trilogy there's no reason to think that they're going to throw a curveball and, and do something completely different um and and i think they're just going to carry on at this pace because it's it's worked for them to a degree this is not what you would call a triple a game they're not going to be selling call of duty numbers here they have a dedicated fan base um a peripheral interested fan base um who uh probably would would be quite you know like like not not loyal to a fault per se but people who who are very interested in, in in the game and interested in the mechanics of it and get very invested in it um and and by following a formula that's worked for them in the past they're going to uh garner and maintain that uh that that core fan base i think it it isn't a game that is going to appeal to everyone the hitman games never are many people i know who have picked them up said that they're they're too difficult because not only do you have to solve puzzles because there is this puzzle element to the games but you also in many cases have to do it within time frames and these time frames aren't 
immediately obvious. You have to maybe uh, work out a way to set a particular trap up while someone is coming from one part of the map to the other. It's it does have that action film element to it, um, and it has a it feels real. Like it feels real. The places feel real. You feel like you, you know, like it's it's a the the, the levels are alive, and I truly truly like that about the game. I like the older games as well, and how they've evolved is uh, amazing. Amazing. Um, and I must admit, it looks to me like the Hitman series, especially the newer games, are some of the most technically advanced video games we have. Because the AI just demands so much complexity. Remarkable. Um, they look... Uh, every, so I, 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 I'm just gushing at this point. We all know it. We all know it. We all know it. Uh, I'm going to look so forward. I'm looking forward so much to doing the the review on this so <laughs> but anyway i put that on there because quite frankly i wanted to talk about it i needed to talk about it we all have those games our achilles heel and and this the hitman franchise is mine like they've consistently done games that i've liked uh some more than others but they've never brought out a game that i have i have disliked uh so anyway good on them and also the trend the overall trend of the direction of the series goes in is going in a way that i like and that's always nice to appreciate you know it's always appreciate it's nice to appreciate the things that are going in the right direction it's very easy sometimes like you know in this day and age this particular godforsaken year it's just so easy to to pick out something that's that's trending in a in a bad direction and to to fixate on it and focus on it and to let it um guide our our mood when it's you know it's important to stop and smell the roses from time to time okay next thing on the docket foss corner uh and in today's foss corner we have a classic in foss gaming an absolute classic and also a game that is not going to be for everyone i think that's do you know what i think that's going to be uh maybe a bit of a theme for for a lot of, of this uh this this podcast we you know this isn't the game of uh the the call of duty podcast this isn't this isn't going to be the latest mario kart podcast we are going to be looking at games which you know like to me try something a little bit new they try and break the mold a little bit a li- you know not not a hand-me-down from a giant corporation that's just seeking to monetize your attention i am interested in something that genuinely pushes the walls of gaming I think that's going to be something this podcast can be defined by in future episodes. I hope that's the case. And onto that, we have the Battle for Wesnoth, which can be found on Steam. Hooray. The website, wesnoth.org, and most likely in the repositories of your favorite Linux distribution. It's available in quite a great many number of places. It may also be available on things like Flatpak and Snaps and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's easy enough to get hold of. Most people I know who play it almost have it installed without even sort of realizing it uh, as much. It's a turn-based strategy game that kind of, to me, feels like a board game. And this game definitely comes into its own when you play it as a multiplayer game. When you have a randomly developed map you have between four and six players and you just build your armies and go at it. Set in a fantasy setting, a lot of the stuff that I like to play is the procedurally generated stuff, so like a random map and then 
number of players and then go just just fight it out they have campaigns that are quite fun i gotta admit i find them a little difficult but they are quite fun uh there's map editors there's public servers there's all kinds of things that you can do there's a huge modern community behind this game I can't say I've explored that side of it particularly because there's just so much to the game itself. The lore is very interesting. The characters are very interesting. You've got your humans, you've got your elves, you've got your dwarfs, you've got your orcs, you've got your goblins? No. Dwarfs, orcs. There's one I'm missing. Undead. Undead. You've got your undead. You've got a lot there. And they're all they're all fighting it out. All with their pros and cons. All with their, their different strategies. And there is just, it's just so satisfying. I remember on one of my first games where uh, I was the, the, what, what, the side called the Alliance, your human side, right? Your knights in shining armor side, right? And uh, we were sort of occupying a particular section of the map, the grasslands, the wide open fields. And uh, I think there were some some trolls or goblins that were, were coming into to my particular realm of the map. And just the satisfying uh, sort of motion of my cavalry in a few turns just sweeping across the, the grasslands in their, uh, you know, armoured and on horseback, coming at, seemingly out of nowhere because they can travel so fast. And the unexpected horde of goblins were sent on their way, I can assure you. And it's things, it's things like that, that where you apply that strategy and it pays off. It is, you know, you set up a plan, you, you know, you set up a trap, you have a plan, someone falls into the trap, you execute your strategy. It's just a moment of delight. I can't even, t- oh, you know, you want a satisfying game. It's, it's, it's good to set up something like a trap. And, and to sort of, you know, have that, tra- you know, have that sort of plan come to fruition. But when it when it's against multiplayer, uh, you know, when, you, when it's against your friends and all that kind of stuff, and it's a battle strategy, oof, oh boy. Uh, that being said, although the game on the surface looks like it can be quite complex, it's actually rather quite simple. Uh, you just uh, have a map. You have your castle. Everyone starts in their little castle. You can recruit soldiers of any type of your, you know, that you wish so if you were a human for example you could recruit your archers your foot soldiers your people on horseback um there are you know all the all the people that you would want and uh, you use those characters to then go and uh, capture occupy villages and those villages then produce wealth for your kingdom so that you then may grow your armies further using those armies to conquer the land and of course your uh, opponents have the have the same objectives it really is as simple as that uh it, the i guess you might call it a slight downside but really it just comes with the territory is that if you've got a game of about six people it can take a little bit of a while for all the turns to to go around you've got six people taking their turns working out their strategy you can do things like put time limits on a turn but if you've got a lot of troops a time limit is, is is going to be difficult and in many ways unfair. You might be someone with a small number of highly powerful troops. You might be someone who's got a huge army of undead, you know, or, or a huge army of, of very low-level troops, your foot soldiers or whatever. And one army is going to be require a little bit more you know, clicking around and working out than the other. If you've got a few crack team, you know, if you've got a crack team of, of very highly advanced troops. Uh, and you've gone for quality over quantity, then you know it's easy to to scope it out. But that is just something that comes naturally with the uh, w- with the game itself. 
I love this game. It is amazing. And you know what? Shamefully, shamefully among my fellow open source enthusiasts, I only started playing this game this year. This year. Don't know what I'll be missing. I remember even installing the game decades ago, it seems. And and really not giving it the chance that it wanted. Now, single player is good and all, but to be honest, I do truly encourage anyone who who looks at the Battle of Wes North, looks at the aesthetic, looks at the, the lovely artwork, the beautiful soundtrack, and gets enamored by the those parts of the game. I, I encourage you to, to try and find some friends and sit down and just have a game in an evening. It, the, the games are not short. They're a couple of hours ago. This is true. But uh but it's worth it. It's 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 a good think of it as a board game. And of course, uh the winner is the person who so you start off with your character, your king, as it were, and you uh you you are out when your king dies. Your king is a good fighter, but obviously not invincible, and obviously uh, and um they level up. Like all of your characters, all of your troops, they level up the more fighting they do. So in many cases, you could have a big army of of very low-level troops that, you know, some might level up over time, but many will just get wiped out, of, you know, and, and leveling up your troops is, you know, is part of a strategy that you can use, or you can just have cannon fodder. It, the, the thing is, it gives you some very basic components, but you can do so many with those components. It's like chess, but a little bit more. And uh, it's it's not massively dissimilar to what you know to your warhammers and things like that. It's, it's I would say it's simpler than your warhammer. The combat is uh, dice roll, and what I quite like about it as well is that the the variables to those dice roll are often dictated by time of day or the terrain that you're fighting on. You might be a hearty dwarf that's good at fighting in the mountains, or you might be uh, a griffin rider who can just fly over everything. All of these different kind of things. You might be a merman who is obviously going to be better in the water. So you 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 set up your strategy according to to those factors as well. And if, for example, you are the undead, the undead, if I remember correctly, work better at night. But then your humans, night in shining armor types, they're going to be better in the daytime. So if you're a human, you might want to wait until daytime to attack the army of the undead, or if you're the army of the undead, vice versa. You do have mages um, and magic and stuff like that, but the magic dynamics are quite straightforward and quite simple and yeah and that's it like it's just, it's one of those games that is it's very easy to learn but there are so many possibilities with it i love everything about this game and i love that it's still being developed there was a develop uh, there was a new version oh not a couple of months ago really um it's available on windows mac Linux, you can get the source code, and it says here on the website that there is an iOS and Android version available. So, I have not played the mobile versions. Um, it's got four out of five stars on the Google Play Store, and it's Peggy Seven. So, I must admit, I don't want to. Um, it might be a slightly more cerebral game for a, for a seven or eight year old, but it's I don't know. Hey, well, I, I don't know. Chalk it down to education. <laughs> it's probably quite an educational game. It's one of those games that probably, you know, it's very good for the brain, I would imagine. You know, coming up with strategies, coming up with problem solving and outwitting your opponent. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, for what it's worth, since I'm just looking, I've got the page right in front of me. In terms of system requirements, 
you're looking at uh, yeah, so Windows, Mac, or or uh, Linux. Uh, you're looking at a dual core, two gigahertz or better. Uh, you want two gigabytes of RAM, eight hundred megabytes hard disk space, a display of at least eight hundred by six hundred, keyboard, mouse. Uh, in terms of uh, recommended, they recommend four gig of RAM, two gig of disk space, and a larger than ten twenty four by seven sixty eight screen. So you can you can tell just from the specs this is this is quite this is quite an old game. Also, another thing I love about the game, as if they if, as if you know, like I'm just I'm just gushing over games I love today. Aren't I? Uh, you can donate to the game on Libera Pay. I, I like Libera Pay. It's it's an open source. Um, donation platform but also what i do love about LibraPay as well when it comes to supporting uh, open source projects is that you, you know maybe if you are a bit strapped for cash or you, you don't necessarily feel it's worth it uh patreon you know uh, have a minimum spend of of a dollar a month and that can be a lot for a lot of people especially if you want to support multiple creators but with LibraPay, you can do small uh small amounts they do a minimum of one cent a week or one penny a week um which again is you know it's it's a pretty nominal amount it's 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 they describe it as symbolic but you know if if everyone did that uh there would be a lot more you know better uh, yeah well every little helps us that's what i'm trying to get around to saying if everyone did it it would uh, it would be a, a great improvement over over that kind of thing but anyhow available on steam as well and uh, so if you're uh, and I, I can't say i've had any problems running it on on any operating system that i've tried it on so hooray for that um wonderful all right so now is a good opportunity to do our second ad read of the episode this episode of game sphere is brought to you by of course DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control over your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the GameSphere podcast and the Destination Linux network, you can get started for free. And in fact, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred dollars of credit when you sign up by going to do.co slash dln. That's do.co forward slash dln. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the GameSphere and for generally being kind to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much, DigitalOcean. As uh wonderful okay so at the time recording it is a few days really before the alleged release of cyberpunk 2077 um and i've got a few words to say about it i'm not going to linger too much on it because what is there to say about a game that hasn't been released yet says the guy that just talked about hitman 3 i get it okay all right fine 
Um, it, I don't know what to make of it. It's been hyped up a lot. It's been hyped up a lot. It's been pushed back a few times as well. Now, I was kind of prompted to talk a little bit about Cyberpunk 2077 by a video by um, a YouTuber who goes by the name of Charlatan Wonder, who also sort of does a bit of a think piece on whether or not we should temper our expectations about Cyberpunk 2077. I will put that link in the description down below. Uh, because, or the, the show notes rather, because it's a very thoughtful piece and um, he draws on a lot of historical precedents. Now, I know that it is common among us uh, more compassionate video game playing types to say, well, you know what? I'm happy to wait for a game. I'd rather wait and it be good than have it rush to market and be bad. And the, uh, the, the, the think piece uh, says that games that have been pushed back more than once do not have a track record of being great there's a good chance that this might very well be a case of cyberpunk 2077 being too ambitious which which does happen and it is also being brought out on so many platforms that that is going to be very difficult to support as well and in fact i believe that there is a something like a 50 gigabyte day one patch for it as well well that that is how the rumor goes so, I don't know. The gameplay that has been released, ha- although has been, is cl- very clearly curated, and we are seeing a very, very on-rails experience of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it's, I'm going to wait uh, until the initial reviews are out before thinking about buying it. It's not going to be, it's not a cheap game. And, We've been let down by this before. Like people are people are sort of describing it as Deus Ex meets Grand Theft Auto. If that's the case, then that's that's a, a genre trailblazer, as I've said previously in this episode. Although I think with a lot of modern games, they're too big. I really liked Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but that game was far too big. Too big. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't have the same amount of hours as in the day as I did as a teenager. Or maybe I don't have the energy. Who knows? But I, I think that there is something to be said for a small game that is done well. It looks beautiful. But I... Um, and, and the neon darkness is just delightful. But one of the things that tempered my expectations right from the beginning is that cyberpunk is a philosophy and an ideology which does not suit itself to corporate culture. And a video game that has been merchandised as much as Cyberpunk 2077, I feel misses the spirit of punk, basically. Punk, cyberpunk, the whole thought process and philosophy around it i feel is it could quite possibly be missed could be wrong but like i say something that's been merch- uh, merchandised to high heaven as much as this may very well and you know i i i am to a degree aware of corporate culture in my working life and how much of a machine it functions as but uh i don't know we'll have to see we'll have to see uh, I will certainly be looking at reviews because it looks good, uh, and I'm interested in the in in a spiritual successor to Deus Ex, because I do feel that Mankind Divided 
well it had its highs and lows i'll talk about that one in a future uh, a future episode i'm working on a particular uh, perspective to, to to look at that game but i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it uh, either in the pre run up to or the pre release hype and, and and your thoughts on that or lack thereof or pre release caution or anything like that i suspect uh, just judging from the lay of the land that most people will probably be on the same page as me as this one wait for initial reviews you know with digital distribution there's no point in jumping you know jumping into to pre-orders says the guy that pre-ordered hitman 3 uh, and uh, but yeah and i'll uh, i don't know it's a lot of money to put down so i think i will uh, i will wait and and see how it goes but to be honest if i'm completely honest it will have to be it have to be really good to enamor me to pay day one price. I might wait until it comes down. I might wait for a sale in a couple of months' time. I don't know. So, I think I've said all about I can for that, and we're running out of time. So I've got two other sections that I want to get through today. The first is a new segment to the game. I'm sorry, new segment to the game sphere, which is um, cheap games. I was going to call it cheap, but not free. But this game actually is on 100% sale on uh, itch.io uh, and it's available from uh, if my math is correct like 8 days maybe a week after this episode is released uh, available on the itch store this is called Riser Roads now Riser Roads is usually 3 America 399 so it's nearly 4 of your american bones but it is currently on 100% off sale uh, it is also available in the uh, Microsoft Store, if that's where you like to buy your games. Um, but yeah, it's available in the in the Itch Store. Uh, I personally run it using the Wine. Uh, so I've got Wine installed on my Linux distribution, and uh, that allows me to run it through the Itch Store. Wonderful little gadget they've got there. I love the Itch Store. Itch Store's wonderful. Uh, I use it to find a lot of open source games. But Riser Roads. This is an interesting little game, um, and is definitely worth trying for free. Uh, you're not going to get um, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, days of, of of content out of it. It's it's a pretty, I don't want to say one dimensional uh, driving game, but it is uh, it is it is quite a. It, it ain't exactly Grand Theft Auto, but you've got an open world driving game, right? So you've got an island that you're on. Uh, you've got a garage where you can buy cars for it, and you can buy cars with money you make from winning time trials and races. It's very simple. You race in various different uh, vehicles. So you start off with a little Jeep. Uh, I was racing in a shopping trolley, which was quite fun. You can race in a sports car if you get up to that level. There are planes and boats. So you got your whole, you got your land, sea, and air covered. Um, you got your off-road racing. You got your little. So I was gonna say city racing, but the city that uh, that I that I was racing around is quite small. It's more like a village with tall buildings i guess i don't know it's it's kind of scaled down in a cute little way but yeah no it's a fun little game i really quite enjoyed myself with it bouncing around the hillside in various different vehicles uh sometimes it can get a little bit frustrating when uh you lose a uh, a time trial you have to hit a certain number of checkpoints in a certain amount of time and so it's kind of got that it's very it's got a very arcadey feel to it but if you're just looking for uh for a good old bit of uh driving fun yeah I, I kind of had a lot of fun i was driving spending some time on it today really quite enjoyed it so uh, there you go, and I'm going to do a segment uh, quite regularly on just games that are um, quite inexpensive. You know, just just something you can pick up from the itch store, the Steam store, maybe GOG when I'm about there. So, uh, so there we go. Now, I am 
running out of time here, so I'm going to jump straight to the uh, the viewer feedback. Uh, and I've had quite a lot of viewer feedback, like I said. And, and thank you very much for your kind wishes and um, and, and and thoughts and and all of that business, which uh, which is very heartwarming. Like genuinely, it's 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 very heartwarming, very meaningful uh, when people take time out of their day to. Uh, to, to wish me luck. And I, 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 I like to thank everyone. Uh, just a little bit of a podcast policy on um, letters that, that come in through email. If you post it on the forum, I'm going to assume that you're okay with your name being read on the podcast. But if you send it through email, unless you specifically tell me, uh, I will, um, I will not mention your name. I'll just mention the uh, relevant parts. And if you write a particularly long email, I may just pick out bits to uh, to read because, of course, time is of the essence. Uh, this podcast is intended to be between half an hour and an hour, uh, probably around the 40-minute mark. But for some reason, I just have not been able to shut up today, right? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, yes. So uh, I have a, an email here about someone who reflected, uh, I was, as I was mentioning in last week's po- uh, podcast, about uh, Telltale games and them uh, perhaps being, you know, like when people play uh, Telltale games through YouTube videos and Let's Plays and, should we say, walkthroughs without any commentary, that they are perhaps not massively transformative works. Uh, and I could do a whole podcast based on the idea of what fair use might be, could be, and should be in a world where we can arbitrarily copy so much uh, digital stuff. You know, we can we can copy a film without even thinking about it. We can copy a music, a, you know, a whole album of music, a whole archive, a library of music without really burdening our own technology that much. And how much money has has been spent on developing technology to actually restrict people copying things. Uh, we always imagine that if we had a machine that could do that with physical items, that we just had a machine that could, could summon, you want a cup of coffee, just out of thin air, push a button, you get one. And how long would it be before, you know, intellectual property lawyers would, would find a way to, to, to monetize that, you know, a world in, in, in which um the the sheer concept of scarcity no longer exists would be reinvented in the name of profits but without getting too deep into that um the uh, one of you kind folks emailed in saying that uh so sort of uh sort of remarking on how the telltale games is a is a natural evolution on the old point and click adventure games uh, which i thought was a really good point because it reminds me of uh, Beneath the Steel Sky, a game that's actually available in quite a lot of Linux uh, distribution uh, repositories. Uh, it's quite a, a freely available game, Beneath the Steel Sky, one of my favourite point-and-click adventure games. It recently had a sequel, Beyond the Steel Sky. Beneath the Steel Sky takes form of takes the form of a very point-and-click action game of of the eighties uh, slash nineties, and Beyond the Steel Steel Sky whilst not made by Telltale, does come across as quite a Telltale-esque game. And, uh, and, I, and I must say, that, that sort of encapsulates, even though that both of those games, um, in, uh, they capture the essence of, of, the, uh, of the franchise quite well through a reasonable shift in genres, I think, is, uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a good demonstration of how Telltale games do seem to somewhat be an, an, an uh, an extension and evolution of uh, i must admit i do have a soft spot for the old point and clicks and i must admit i it does kind of feel like there was a little bit more uh like with the point and clicks you're thinking more cerebrally with more puzzle thing you know puzzle solving whereas with uh, a lot of the telltale games whilst they are 
in my opinion, quite linear. Uh, they're also focused on like social puzzles uh, and being able to uh, to to speak to people, uh, you know, through through dialogue trees and, and being able to, to progress through a game that way. Uh, but also in that same email, they uh, they said that they realized that there was no sound in any of the video game. Uh, stream so there, there was no sound to because if you're watching this on uh, youtube uh, through a lot of the podcast you're going to be seeing video game footage of whatever game it is that i'm talking about this is primarily a podcast uh so uh that means that you can go to gamesphere.show you can download the mp3 you can listen to it on i believe like spotify and some of the other uh podcasting networks and all of that business and it's always a big no-no in the podcasting world to have things like background music or too much background sound because a lot of people, uh, well, first of all, it can be sort of disorientating to a lot of people who might be listening to it in their cars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there might be people who are listening to this podcast on a desktop or laptop computer who might also be listening to a little bit of their own personal you know, music in the background as well. So some, some people just like to listen to uh, a little bit of music as they listen to a podcast or sometimes they like to listen to, or play a video game when they listen to a podcast and then background tracks on podcasts can interfere with uh, can make that a little bit difficult but also a lot of people i know listen to podcasts at like 1.2 or 1.5 speed and if you've got background music and background effects uh, that can be quite uh, disorientating and, and make it more difficult to listen to so just in the interests of making a podcast easier to listen to uh, there is no uh, no background uh, audio uh, also, no audio of the games coming through. It would also be a little bit disorientating if you were just on the podcast and there was sound of games that you didn't necessarily uh, did, didn't necessarily have the matching visuals for. Uh, so that's the uh, that's the thoughts. Uh, and and as as you asked, I thought I might indulge. Uh, I'm hoping to have a little bit of a longer uh, feedback section. There are some things I'm, uh, that that I would have gone into, and I may go into in next week's episode. But as I say, I am running out of time and uh, I think it's about time that I wrapped up now. Uh, I would like to say thank you folks very much for joining me on episode two. We made it to episode two. Made it to episode two on Welch after that. And here's to many more episodes to come. Uh, I'm hoping to leave a little bit more time for a, for a larger feedback section. And um, so do feel free to, to send in your thoughts uh, to the email address in the podcast notes as well as checking out the destination linux forums which are also going to be linked in everything's going to be linked in the show notes do i even need to say link in the show notes you know and uh i hope you folks are uh, are enjoying yourselves i am now going to be begin the process of a long-winded outro because for some reason after i've been speaking for quite a long time it just feels rude to just be like okay bye so but yeah uh, and thank you, but it does mean a lot to me that, that many of you reached out and, and wished me well on this podcast. Uh, it it reminds me that I'm not just speaking into the void, that I'm speaking to people who, uh, who, who have thoughts and hopes and dreams of their own and that we can, uh, amongst us, uh, do something, something, something. That sentence was going somewhere, wasn't it? Anyway. <laughs> All right, I've run out, I've officially run out of steam. Um, but thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you next week. Uh, thank you very much for watching. I've been Chris Ware, and you've been listening to The Gamesphere. Toodaloo.